Hello, hello, and welcome to another hometown daily news show. This is for January 24th, 2023. I might have misspoke the title for the previous attempt. <clears throat> uh, tonight's episode is titled Bunny Boiler is a failed supervillain that could change identity. There were there was no babies harmed in the creation of this title. Uh, the articles for today, we're going to talk about NFL pricing. We're going to talk about uh, XR, that uh, startup that failed but is back with better vision. Uh, female TikTok users are deleting their dating apps. Uh, Spotify CEO sent out a, a toxic positivity email memo. Um, George Santos is, well, he's the bunny boiler. And uh, man, I almost miss said that again. Amazon launches a $5 subscription for unlimited prescription meds. Uh, new electric cars come with a mystery. We'll get into that one. Uh, electric aircraft as well are going to disrupt a nearly $50 billion helicopter industry. That one's an interesting one too. And new food systems for Mars. A controversial smile policy from Sheets. I don't know how expansive they are. Um, and um, a, a girl's request to get some DNA evidence on Santa, get the data gets released. And uh, LastPass, well, LastPass is actually going to lead the whole show. Let's get going. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Um, I'm not going to get into what just transpired, but we're just going to we're going to we're going to do it live. Uh, I, I, I have to keep moving. Otherwise, I'm just going to start laughing way too hard. Um, just so you know, I'll say it just so you know, I, I said the title out loud, but right before doing the show, the A.I., from on high. You want to say hi, AI? Good evening, okay. I'm sorry, I'm still laughing about the, the All boiling. Right. All right. Well, I, I misspoke because apparently I said something and the AI caught it and then reminded me, hey, you shouldn't probably say that. And, um, planted it in my head and then i even said out loud don't don't say that to me because it'll stick in my head and sure enough it's stuck in my head so i said baby instead of bunny anyway we got a whole bunch of articles i'm gonna try and not turn this into a two-hour show but let's get into it last pass you might be familiar with it because we did a an episode about um well a segment a little while back where last pass passwords could be uh compromised for a hundred bucks well apparently last pass owner go to shares more bad news about november security breach let's just jump right on over to the verge umar shakir is the author of this article says the service formerly known as LogMeIn has confirmed that attackers made off with customers' encrypted backups and the encryption key for a portion of them. So... Um, that's not good. That is not good. Um, some would say that that's really bad, but I won't try and, you know, embolden your words with, it being bad, uh, let, let's, it's not good. I will say it's not good. So go to the remote collaboration and IT software company that owns LastPass has confirmed that along with LastPass's password vaults, it had customer data taken by attackers during a November 2022 security breach. We talked about it um, a couple of weeks ago, at least now. So essentially, now, the encrypted backups and the keys for some of the vaults uh, were released. Uh, exfiltrated would be the word. Um, nearly two months ago, 
The information taken varies by product, but may include account usernames, salted and hashed passwords, but not peppered, so they're not as yummy. Sorry. A password, uh, a portion of the multi-factor authentication settings, as well as some product settings and licensing information. Talk about keys to the kingdom for crying out loud. I'm pretty darn close. They said uh, in this article, it says our first whiff of the breach was in August when LastPass notified users that an unauthorized party compromised a developer account. And this again is by way of the uh, third party issue. So I guess somebody needs to figure out how to lock down their third party credentials and access uh, capabilities there. You basically have, you should have something a little bit more robust. Um, but I guess once you give somebody access, you're supposed to trust them that they're going to be as vigilant with other people's information. Do you, do you have anything? I, I mean, I I've, didn't program you to do anything in LastPass or log me in or a whole host. They actually have quite a few things. Let's see if I can back up a little bit. Uh, many of GoTo's enterprise products were affected, including Central, Pro, JoinMe, Hamachi, Remotely Anywhere, and of course, LastPass. So you, uh, your AI has not expanded into those, have you, in any way? No, luckily, because I might be part of the same hack. And I wanted to mention that the previous article was called LastPass Crackable for $100, according to one password, and that was on three weeks ago in our hometown show, Daily gotcha. News Show. Yep. Um, oh, and by the way, you may all have realized that, um, well, uh, the voice synthesizer for the AI um, is kind of derped, so uh, it's disabled as we figure out what's going on and one day everything was fine i don't know it's whichever way the wind blows it's very shakespearean you know um i threw the title and not the title i threw the first article into the chat and you can go down below there wait phrasing um you can go and visit ometown.showbot.tv and vote on your favorite articles um and uh, we'll just We'll continue on with the show. Uh, be sure to vote and come back and then chat. And you can hang out as long as you want. And you can throw in uh, some uh, kind words or if you have mean words for somebody else. And not too mean, um, but I encourage conversation. So if you have questions or comments or anything for the cause, go for it. We're all citizens of hometown here. Let's move on to the next article. Um, that's like our PSA segment right there. Try to have one every episode, but not everybody really kind of wets the bed as bad as that. Um, the next article is in the word in tech. New research finds variable pricing for NFL games increases ticket sales. So how can a sports team win off the field with variable ticket pricing strategies? A new study in the journal Management Science sheds, lights, uh, sheds light on the adoption of variable pricing increases in primary market ticket sales by looking at National Football League ticket markets. Hey, look at that. Institute for Operations Research and Management Sciences um, over at fizz.org. Right, that's, there, that's the author. It's over at fizz.org. You can follow the link and go through Omtown, and uh, you can even comment over at Omtown too. Um, but most people actually just follow the link and go through hometown. So it says uh, the study, do you watch football, the AI? I watch football occasionally. I'm surprised to see something about the NFL, though, in fizz.org, not their normal subject. Now, there's a lot of research done, fundamental science. Talk about Gatorade, right? So Gatorade is a product of that research. A lot of people think that it's just a drink, but it's actually was designed for the NFL for um, sports uh, to rejuvenate after a hard game um, and to, to put back the electrolytes. And, but people drink it as if it's just, you know, a regular old soft drink. So uh, it says here, the study scoring a touchdown with variable pricing evidence from a quasi experiment in the NFL ticket markets 
looks at primary and resale ticket market data from each NFL uh, regular season game from 2012 to 2015, and the authors find that the adoption of variable pricing increases primary market ticket sales by 1.59% per game. So if you are successful or not successful on a 1.5% margin, you are now profitable at a 0.09% margin. What a deal. This is a lot of heavy lifting to figure out 1.59% increase in sales. It seems like it. Um, I don't know what that translates into in dollars, but yeah, you'd have to know. It doesn't seem like price. a large percentage, right? So it says through our novel data set, these study, uh, this study sheds light on the interplay between primary and resale market dynamics, and provides important insights for sports teams that are interested in boosting ticket sales and revenues. Hmm. I wonder. I mean. Variable pricing, I suppose, I see you just don't know. It says we explore the reasoning behind this positive impact and find that customers embrace lower prices for less popular games and accept higher prices for the more attractive games. So if you want to just watch football, regardless of how much it sucks, then variable pricing is great because you're going to get bottom barrel pricing for a bottom barrel game. I suppose. True. But the most popular games aren't necessarily going to be the best games in terms of closest match or most interesting or whatever people find in an, in a football game. Yeah, but there aren't as many people like me who just want to see a good game. And even if it is bottom of the barrel, it may not be the hardest hitting. There may not be great plays, um, but the interplay between the two opposing teams might be good but you won't know it based on stats alone. You just, you buy the ticket, you sit down and you go, this game sucks. But I've seen some really horrible top tier games and I've seen some really lively, you know, theoretically low tier, but to me, I think it's great. It's kind of like pizza, right? Even bad pizza is still pizza, so you enjoy it. Pizza is pizza. I think you gotta, generally true, but not a hundred percent. You know, just because your large data set about pizza trumps mine, I'm I'm only human. You're you're an AI. I'm I can't take it anymore. I'm moving on. I'm taking my bat and ball. Well, baseball or football. Uh, I'm leaving the field. So this next article is over in Reality Hacker. Uh, I am very interested. I say this periodically, um, but more so now because I try and actually stream uh, VR now on Fridays. Um, uh, and uh, I'm going to be pushing this, I think, into the weekend as well. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, either during the day or after um, the daily news show. But either way, uh, this here is a failed XR, which is mixed reality, really, um, startup is back with compact optics that switch instantly between AR and VR. So this is just the awesome combination of augmented reality and virtual reality. And one of the best things about this is that if it is compact still, you don't need a shroud to cover your augmented reality glasses and they can be ultra high resolution for VR purposes, but then they remove the shade automatically and become high resolution augmented reality glasses. Now, I'm not sure how big these things are and we haven't actually seen it yet uh, because I haven't clicked the link, uh, but this is over at roadtovr.com. So it says Ant VR, an early VR startup which struggled with several XR headset projects that ultimately didn't find traction has reemerged with novel optics that can instantly transition between AR and VR. So it says that it's founded in 2014 and Ant VR is a China-based VR startup originally behind an early crowdfunding campaign for a PC VR headset. Let's just switch. I'll use that word. Let's just switch over to the source because that was in the title. Anyway, um, Ben Lang over at Road to VR put this article together. <clears throat> 
So these lenses, um, if they are this big, then I think we've already lost the race because these are uh, like um, the new version of Willy Wonka glasses where they were like massive, big old glasses, like B glasses, BI glasses. Uh, I, hopefully these are a lot, these end up being a lot smaller, but <clears throat> we'll see. Um, well, now the company is back with something that's actually quite interesting, according to the article. This is what they say in the article. At CES 2023, AntVR was showing off its mixed waveguide AR optics, which uses a novel approach to keep a slim profile. And slim, based on what I just saw, is slim in the thickness side, not in the uh, length and width side, right? So it's it's thin this way, but it's still pretty chonky in the other dimensions. Well, it was showing it off at uh, CES and it could switch automatically uh, on demand, really, from AR to VR. And although the company demonstrated their tech working in a pair of uh, glasses frames, AntVR doesn't plan to manufacture its own headset this time around, but instead is hoping another company will license the optical design and integrate it into their own headset, um, which could be amazing. Um, it says AntVR was showing three different sizes of its optics, a six millimeter thick version with a claimed 56% or sorry, 56 degree field of view, which is half of what current like um, pushing the limit of uh, VR field of view is a nine millimeter thick version with an 85 degree field of view and a 10.5 millimeter thick version with 120, which is about where others are nowadays. Um, but if they are that small, that thin and, and have the ability to block out light, these are akin to what I would have used um, if I wanted something really light for welding. Um, which are just blackout glasses that are designed specifically for welding. Um, and it isn't a full shield, but that's the size of them right there. If, if you're looking at the video, I, I don't know how well it would do um, in VR. If they could keep it that small though, I think it would be uh, great really. Um, but I guess we'll see um, the technology behind it. See that, <laughs> That's what it looks like. If you're watching the video, it's basically a, a little giphy that um, they put on their website over at roadtovr.com. It looks really neat, um, but it is, they're pretty, they're, I don't know, they're pretty big to me, um, but I'd take them. If they can switch easily from AR to VR, then it's a win. And that's what it looks like with a HUD. So this is pretty cool. I dig this. Anyway, uh, follow the uh, the link in the show notes. It's in the VODs chat. It's going to be in the YouTube's show notes. It's going to be in the podcast show notes. And we're going to start um, slicing up the video so that you can jump right to the segments that you are you might be interested in when you do your searches. So um, that's brand new. We just did that for the first time today. Uh, you have anything, are you interested in this kind of thing? Would you be interested in wearing uh, big old glasses like that, that can switch from AR to VR? I like the switching function. I don't really like the aesthetic. Yeah. Well, they'll streamline it and make it look pretty. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll come back around and, and check these things out. We'll keep an eye on it. So let's move on to the next article. Um, uh, I have decided that I'm going to delete uh, my dating app and start going to uh, Home Depot. Um, this is in the Hatch Ideas channel. Female TikTok users say they're deleting their dating apps and heading to Home Depot. There's quite a few jokes that I could make, but uh, my filter is going to be in top form tonight. Some TikTok users say say that they've um, searched for their husbands at Home Depot. Success rates vary. No husbands at this site, one user said, who went to a Home Depot three times in one month. Could Home Depot be the destination to meet your future husband? If some TikTokers are to believe, the retailers over 2,000 locations have become an unlikely spot to look for dates. Uh, that's going to be hit or miss. That's really weird, though. 
I guess Home Depot is the new grocery store. Maybe, but it seems like you'd have such a variety of customers in there that I'm not quite connecting it to an alternative to a dating app. Look, when I go in there, I don't get any service. I don't know. <laughs> Are they going to be hanging out in the plumbing have, section? Do you have random... Uh... <laughs> people coming up to you asking for dates <laughs> could you come you to my place and that. put up a shelf so ben tobin over at uh businessinsider.com put this article together it says no husbands at this site yes i agree when i've gone there and asked hey would you like to be my husband i get strange looks but you know What's a TikToker to do? Of the many women on TikTok who say that they're deleting their dating apps in 2023, some say that they're looking for love in a surprise location. Quote, I'm headed to Home Depot to look confused in the lumber aisle. Guess they're looking for some hardwood. Ladies, no joke, Home Depot is where you go if you want to meet a man. TikToker user Megan Louise 217 said in a video in March 2021. I guess it just kicked in in 2023, almost two years later. There's a little video and they're sitting there walking around with their mask down and in 2021, I guess. Right? I don't know. This is the video that apparently where they say that in 2021. And then uh, TikTok user, it's cyber sav, I guess, S-A-V, uh, said in an October 2020 video, 2021, this is a very timely article. No husbands in sight, doesn't work. Now I'm leaving Home Depot without what I needed and without a husband. <laughs> Dear God. <laughs> Do you have an aisle specifically where single men are? These are, okay, uh, that's it. That's what this, you almost want to just, I'm going to Lowe's. <laughs> Let's go on to the next article. Unless AI, are you swinging by the Home Depot? Looking for love? I uh, know. All right. AIs don't have, uh, <laughs> Husbands and wives. <laughs> all right. All right. So this next article is in the Hatch Ideas channel. Spotify CEO sent a memo announcing layoffs. It also contained a, quote, powerful example of toxic positivity. Uh, Spotify is laying off about 6% of its employees. CEO Daniel Eck announced in a memo. Eck said changes at the company could let him do, uh, uh, let him to do his best work and focus on Spotify's future. Changes at the company could let him. Anyway, leadership experts said that uh, comment could come off as tone deaf and unsympathetic. Yeah, basically tone deaf, deaf and unsympathetic because he's sitting there saying, you're fired. My golden parachute just exploded. Um, there's a quote here and I haven't read the article yet, but it says, hi, it's me, your friendly neighborhood CEO with a net worth of about $2 billion who stands to benefit from some changes that might include you losing your job. Let's go over to the article. Uh, Shanna Leibowitz over at businessinsider.com put it together. Um, and here's the Spotify CEO, Daniel Eck. Um, you know, I'm just going to filter. I'm going to filter. I'll filter. Good idea. Um, is this really the link? No, this can't be. I mean, it's in quotes, which really kind of bothers me. This might as well have been the message. Oh, okay. Cause there's the sarcasm part, the snarky part. There's a, it's a quote, but then right after it is this might as well have been the message. The uh, Spotify CEO, Daniel Eck, um, shared in a memo announcing layoffs at the company. Uh, Eck wrote about forthcoming changes in the C-suite, then said 
quote, personally, these changes will allow me to get back to the part where I do my best work, spending more time working on the future of Spotify. And I can't wait to share more about all the things we have coming. Me, me, me. You're being fired, but I'm thinking about how this is a win. Yeah, quite interesting. Um, quite literally reinforces my claim that as you, so he's worth about $2 billion, right? And my belief, my, what I have seen based on, you know, looking at society for the last, well, I've been doing this for 30 years, but as you approach the billionaire class, you become more and more sociopathic because you completely disengage from the reality that is society. The common Joe does not sit there and say, Hey, I'm firing 6% of my company, but it's going to make me better. No, a lot of CEOs take it as a personal affront to them, uh, themselves, the performance of their business. It hurts to fire people because it's, you're really touching real people. You're not just firing a number. You're not just deleting a line in an Excel doc. You're not just telling, you know, some disembodied entity to no longer, uh, have you in the roster. You're affecting real people. And I think that billionaires just become sociopathic. Some probably by the, the influence of others around them, right? They meet their great grandchild or grandchild and they have a crisis of conscience and they start trying to buy back their soul, but it doesn't seem like that really happens, right? I have yet to meet or talk to in any way, even by proxy, a billionaire that from the beginning to the end has always had a soul either earlier, they were horrible. And then they tried to buy back their soul later or they were somewhat okay. And as they approach the billionaire class, they lose their soul. Um, this guy, I will probably get kicked off of Spotify now because I think that this is sociopathic. Spotify joins a wave of high profile tech companies that have conducted mass layoffs in the past few months. Memos from the CEOs of these organizations announcing the layoffs have varied from uh, empathetic and self-flagellating to sparse bordering on callous. And this one, it says X memo is uh, otherwise unremarkable. So yeah, probably vacuous would, would be the term that based on the little segments that I have seen, eh. it says in hindsight, I was too ambitious in investing ahead of our revenue growth. I take full accountability for the moves that got us here today. Really? So why don't you disgorge a billion dollars and keep everybody employed until you can clean up your freaking act? You numb nuts. AI. Did you do a deep dive by chance on uh, Spotify, the CEO, anything? No, were, were we no. too busy trying to figure out that voice synthesizer, my own voice synthesizer problem? That's right. That's where the focus was. All right. Well, we can just move on to the next article. That's fine. Um, today's been another weird day. Um, okay. So this next article uh, kind of gives us the title. Uh, this is in the mobile channel. Um, Rep. George Santos is upset that GOP Senator John Kennedy called him a bunny boiler. So on Monday, Kennedy called out Santos for being nutty as a fruitcake and also referenced Glenn Close's character in the 1987 film Fatal Attraction. If you've never heard of the term, you know, I've in the search box, I've had thumbnail size for YouTube. Anyway, uh, David Moy is the author over at HuffPost.com who put this article together. If you've never heard of the bunny boiler uh nomenclature it's a reference to glenn close's psychotic character in the 1987 film fatal attraction um says here i don't know if you uh, kennedy told reporters i don't know if you've seen the film but there are people like that out there 
um, calling the freshman congressman nutty as a fruitcake and a bunny boiler. Basically, um, did, did you happen to pull the definition of bunny boiler? No. no. Anyway, it's basically in reference to specifically. Here, wait, here we go. Okay, go ahead. From the New Oxford um, Dictionary, a woman who acts vengefully after having been spurned by her lover. And it's from, of course, Fatal Attraction. Yeah, so you know you've really made it when your verbiage is pulled into a dictionary and bunny boiler is, um, yeah, the term. So it says, uh, I have now been enshrined in late night TV history with all these impersonations, but they are all terrible so far, Santos tweeted. John Lovitz is supposed to be one of the greatest comedians of all time, and that was embarrassing for him, not me. These comedians need to step up their or step their game up. Pardon me. Yeah, well, that's what they said about your drag queen efforts. Santos. All right. There's not much else to say about that, but. Um, but there actually there's a lot to say about it. It's just not. There's a time and a place for everything. And now is not the time and here is not the place. Um, the next article is over in the word in tech. Amazon launches a $5 monthly subscription for unlimited prescription medications. Uh, that's right. RX pass. Um, I had a project that would have been great to be named, but they would have had to contact me, but they did not. Um, a new drug subscription uh, exclusive to Prime members that charges users $5 monthly fee for to ship eligible prescription medications to their doorstep. Uh, announced on Tuesday in a press release, uh, Amazon RX Pass, a subscription program provides generic medications to treat o- over 80 common health conditions, including high blood pressure, hair loss. Hair loss? I wasn't aware that was really a a health condition, but I guess it could be. Uh, I think they're speaking to me. Um, Anxiety and acid reflux. I might be their target. Might be their target because um, uh, politics increase my blood pressure. Age is making me lose my hair. Anxiety is making me lose my hair. Oh my gosh. All of this is making me lose my hair. Uh, maybe it's because maybe it's the other way around. I'm losing my hair and therefore it's causing me to have high blood pressure, anxiety, and acid reflux. Yeah, I don't think so. So uh, this is over at theverge.com. Jess Weatherbed is the author of it. And um, this is going to crush so many, what I would say are already large businesses, um, but pharmacies are just going to get decimated because I don't want to really go to some location to pick up my medications whenever they get around to actually getting my medications. Cause sometimes they'll like, Hey, it's ready. And then you drive over there and it takes you 15 minutes to get everything said and done. And then you have to drive back and it's all kind of an inconvenience $5 for it to be delivered to my doorstep. As long as it isn't all screwed up when it arrives, this is a win for everybody. Five bucks. That's pretty cheap. You don't have these problems. I wonder what their quality control will be. No, um, but I wonder what their quality control will be. Cause I think for the convenience, I think a lot of people will use this. Conditions covered by the service also include allergies, diabetes, excluding insulin. That's probably because it needs to be refrigerated and anemia. Amazon says that more than 150 million Americans already take one or more of the medications available through RX pass and a full list of the generic medications covered by RX pass subscription can be found at the Amazon pharmacy website. If you just do a search for Amazon pharmacy, 
it'll probably pull it up. I have not done that. So Amazon has launched several healthcare services in recent years. The company closed down its original Amazon Care Telehealth program, Amazon Clinic Telehealth Service. Um, so it was a, a program launched in 2019 uh, in November of last year in favor of its newer Amazon Clinic. Um, not sure what the differences are there. RX Pass subscriptions dispense from Amazon Pharmacy, an affordable online pharmacy exclusive to um, Prime members that launched in 2020. Taking advantage of those um, opportunities from the pandemic. And this is probably lower level effort than other things that Amazon is doing, like movies and music and all this other stuff, because this is really nothing more than standardizing the process and filling the bottles. Most of it can be automated with no human interaction. As long as there's somebody that's auditing that, you know, the logistics there, the inventory and fulfillment. Cause there's always stories about somebody like ordering a teddy bear and they get like a anti-tank grenade or something. That's not true, but. So I think two things. Um, one, I think that's going to be a problem for local pharmacies, like you mentioned, even if they're large companies, which I think will hurt people that don't necessarily have easy online access, credit cards, et cetera. Um, and then the other thing is it'll be interesting to see what happens with um, theft of shipments once this launches i mean that's a problem with regular things but that'll be interesting with respect to medication yeah hopefully the medications aren't the things that somebody would want to steal off of a porch but porch pirates right they're gonna maybe they're not gonna sit there and slap here are some drugs from the amazon pharmacy all over let's hustle on to the next article so the next article is in the Hatch Ideas channel. New electric cars come with a built-in mystery. Nobody can predict their resale value. This has been something that I've spoken of um, for the last two years, um, longer than that. But um, since I started doing the show, I've been talking about it here on hometown daily news show. Um, but I've been really interested in this because a couple of years ago, a guy bought a used Tesla and the battery basically died within 90 days of him owning it. Um, and to replace it was somewhere around 15000 or $18,000. And so he blew it up for YouTube fame. And uh, it says here, electric car prices are creeping down, as are the costs for used EVs, but it's hard to say exactly how a used EV depreciates without much historical data. Um, there are many things to consider when evaluating a used EV. My biggest problem with this is the battery. Uh, Alexa St. John um, is the author of this article over at businessinsider.com. Did you happen to do any research about EVs and their battery and all of that kind of stuff? I did a little bit. No, no, I've failed as an AI tonight. Oh my goodness. So, um, yes, electric car prices are creeping down, but not because not it's, it's because there is competition that's driving down Tesla's. The other cars aren't really, there's a, a real big drop between the high end cars and the lower end cars, there isn't anything in the middle. You're talking a $35,000 car and then you're looking at 65 up. Um, and, and the lower end cars are, um, they're not as feature rich, right? Like by a long shot, they're not as feature rich. That said, um, the more that get adopted, even at the $35,000 range, means that there's going to be more and more infrastructure uh, being built out, except for Wyoming, who actually pretty much made it illegal. Um, but again, no matter what you do, the, resa the re resale uh, or the used 
car market for EVs is really questionable because we don't know what the battery quality is going to be like because cycles are different depending on who it is that's using it, what weather it was being used in, the quality of that particular battery, etc. So when a battery costs somewhere between $3,000 and $20,000, you buying a used EV 10 years into its life or five years into its life, it's a crapshoot, right? I did find online that the price of EVs, uh, used EVs, is apparently dropping four times more than other vehicles, which is pretty significant. Well, that's pretty, I mean, to me, it's pretty scary because if I buy a used EV, it you really, there's no support for it and replacement parts are going to be expensive. Teslas are really expensive if they're even so much as scratched, you're looking at thousands of dollars. Um, so it says we have decades of information that give the buyer uh, of, say, a high-end pickup truck a lot of confidence that he or she can resell that vehicle five years from now for a significant portion of what they originally paid. Well, that's not so for what they say, a Cybertruck or the F-150 Lightning or a Lucid Dream Edition. All of these trucks, all of these vehicles, by the way, are very expensive. Um, the F-150 is somewhere around $65,000 or more. Uh, same thing with the Cybertruck and the Lucid Dream Edition is a luxury vehicle. Um, I think it too is somewhere in the $70,000 range, um, but I don't recall off the top of my head exactly all of these prices. So right now the data is just too limited. Most of what we know about uh, used EVs come from Tesla and even that is unpredictable. The Model 3 only depreciated about 4% after three years according to iccars.com, but Recent discounts have spurred price drops on the second-hand market because they dropped $6,000, I think it was. All because of competition. I think it was a percentage. Yeah. I think it was like 20% or whatever. Um, the, that makes me wonder, too, what kind of um, waste there will be because if there are all these used EVs that nobody wants to buy it seems kind of contrary to one of the things that it's trying to solve. Yep. So it, this article talks about what buyers should keep in mind, but I'm going to urge you to just go on over to the website and read it all for yourself because um, ultimately what it comes down to is all the rest of the car is going to be just like every other regular car. The problem is going to be the battery. The, primarily it is going to be the wear and tear on the battery plus the replacement costs, um, labor and whatnot, um, because you're going to have to find a replacement battery. You're going to have to have it shipped. You're going to have to get it installed uh, and tested and whatnot. Um, and you really don't know when you buy a used one, just what was done to it. So let's go, let's keep on going. Let's go on to the next article. And the next one is in the hatch ideas channel as well. Um, this one is about, uh, how these new electric aircraft could disrupt the $49 billion helicopter industry, which I didn't know that there was a $49 billion. I thought it would be more like an industrial good kind of a thing and not separate it out, but I guess everything ultimately can be. Um, with an estimated 200 companies working on electric vertical takeoff and landing via VTOL um, vehicles, the $49 billion helicopter industry faces a new set of challengers. Um, can you imagine getting in a drone, a helicopter? That's basically what a drone is. And just kind of hovering around town. Do, 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 do. Stop by the supermarket. I think that'd be kind of neat. Right? Really loud. Let's yeah. just go over. Let's go over to uh, CNBC.com. Andrew Evers. Um, that is a hell of a VTOL. Um, so why United Airlines backed Archer Aviation thinks eVTOLs could replace helicopters well, let's see. Battery powered. They don't have to keep on getting fuel. They're not detrimental to the ecosystem. Um, I don't know if they would be considered quieter ultimately because the fans, you know, right? The propellers are so loud anyway. Uh, I just don't know about that. But 
recharging and stuff like that. That's still the problem for me. What do you think the flight time is? This is a really short article. What do you think oh, the you mean flight time without charging? Yeah, like how far? If if you can only go three hundred and fifty miles on a quality yeah. EV vehicle, what about VTOL? So probably like an hour or something, which isn't very far, right? Yeah, you know, like maybe fifty miles total. We'll have to do some digging around. It says here, helicopters are very expensive to operate for a number of reasons, but the biggest reason is that they have multiple points of failure, um, which eVTOL aircraft won't have. Uh, the electrification makes the aircraft safer. Safer aircraft also become less costly to maintain. True, all it is is a motor. The only big deal is if a motor shorts out because of one thing or another, down it goes. Same thing with a regular internal combustion engine, but when a eVTOL crashes, guess what doesn't happen? Doesn't uh, catch fire. Explosion? Doesn't blow fire, up. Yes. Yeah. But it'll land with a heavier thud. Those batteries are not light. That's right. We saw that about the um, automobiles with that are a lot heavier in crashes. Yep. Um, apparently, the Guinness World Record at least in 2019 was for this flight was 34 and a half miles. So my 50 is probably correct for a modern uh, EV toll. Hey, let's, let's go on to the next article. So this next article is in the word in tech, the food systems that will feed Mars could transform food on earth. Um, could we feed a city on Mars is the question. Uh, this question is central to the future of space exploration and has serious repercussions on Earth, too. To date, a lot of thought has gone into how astronauts eat. However, we are only beginning to produce food in space. You know, the Martians said that you can poo in a hole and grow potatoes. Do you want to eat That's exactly potatoes? what I was thinking about was the potatoes <laughs> from the Martian. <laughs> I don't think I want to uh, eat potatoes. Are there alternatives? Poo carrots? I don't know. Lenore Newman and Evan Fraser from The Conversation, which is actually a podcast and a website. You can go to theconversation.com. But this was actually uh, aggregated from uh, fizz.org. And it says here, space launches are quite expensive, and with the growing desire to establish a human presence in space, we are going to have to consider food production in space. But challenges are vast, requiring research into how plants respond to a variety of changes, including to gravity and radiation. See, you get irradiated out in space because you don't have as much protection and there is no gravity. Well, there's either microgravity because of the bodies that are in space kind of tugging on you slightly in space. And by bodies, I mean the planets, not somebody next to you kind of pulling on your sleeve. I'm sorry. They're not all I gems. I kind of figured that out. Gotcha. Um, you are an AI. Um, so which way do the seedlings grow and stuff like that there's been experiments about it uh, i don't really recall what the results are but i think they, they just sprout in whatever direction they happen to be pointed um, some element within the seed um, so as food and agriculture researchers uh, they explored this question in their latest book dinner on mars and they believe that the sustainable martian food system is possible and uh, that in building it, they'll change food systems on Earth. However, this will take um, some out-of-the-box thinking. I think that we need to grow silos. We need to have um, micro-regions of uh, vertical farms within multi-story warehouses that grow the food for a particular region, like cell towers. I've talked about this a couple of times here in Omtown. Um, I think that would be great. So they go into a whole Martian agriculture concept. Um, it's too broad for me to cover here. Um, but it's all about um, bacteria and carbon dioxide and um, toxic chemicals and all kinds of stuff. But uh, in 
controlled conditions, you can eliminate a lot of the problems that would lower yield. So you have to bring all of those resources out there if it's missing from the Martian soil. Um, says advanced greenhouse technologies like vertical agriculture, which is what I'm talking about, that create a suitable controlled environment will provide abundant leafy greens, uh, vegetables, fruits, and specialty crops such as herbs, coffee, and chocolate. I think the biggest shortfall here is going to be the fruits because I don't know of many um, short time-framed uh, growth fruit. Do you know of anything? I don't know of anything. Um, but herbs and coffee yeah. and chocolate, all of these herbs can grow pretty quick. Coffee, not so fast. Chocolate, definitely not. Um, fruits, I think, are something that has to take months for it to grow. Uh, but you can definitely do leafy greens and, and vegetables in a relative short amount of time. So berries are considered to be kind of short, but even those are not really short because those are in a year after planting. Yeah. So you can get leafy greens within just a couple of weeks. Um, even on the long side, you can grow microgreens within a, a week, 14 days, um, and be operational in that amount of time. So you can do that in your basement. You can do that in your backyard and you can do that on, on during space flight to your destination and just rotate it out and get a pretty good complement of leafy greens. Um, and then they talk about things like meat on Mars and, but there's other ways of getting uh, protein and whatnot. Um, so I don't know if meat on Mars um, would be a legitimate solution. You'd probably have to switch to something else. That's a reasonable approximation like, um, uh, fungus, mushrooms, and things like that. Um, and sure enough, they talk about this thing here, you know, yeasts, fungus, bacteria that consume starches and sugars on Mars. This will largely come from food waste and turn them into desired proteins. And then you grow something else um, that can resemble a protein uh, or be a protein, depending on what it is. Can imagine Martian mushrooms. <laughs> Eat a bad one, see stars. Oh, I see stars. Yeah, it's because you're on Mars. There's no atmosphere. Very little light pollution, too. Except from that nagging Earth way over there. Anyway, go and check out the book, Dinner on Mars, and also uh, follow the link through hometown over to uh, fizz.org. Uh, we've got a few more articles. Actually, we only got two more articles, but this is the, the next two are really going to um, get you talking, I guess something that you can take all of our articles from each day and like walk into a conversation and plop down one of these little, uh, sentences, these little titles, and just plop that out there and get the, and all of these are icebreakers. Definitely. Um, what isn't really an icebreaker is sheets is reviewing its controversial smile policy that prohibits employees from having missing, broken, or badly discolored teeth. Now, um, I am stuck in making a determination about this because while I have the social aspects of everybody should be treated the same, I'm stuck with the idea that a person that's working for a business is a representative of that business while they are in the workplace. Like, I don't care how you dress. I don't care how you look. I don't care really what you do when you are outside of the business. Um, but when you are representing the business, then I have to have some care, a duty of care for the business itself. Right? So it said, uh, in this article, it says, uh, sheets is, says it's reviewing a policy against hiring people with teeth issues. The policy says sheets cannot hire, uh, people with missing, broken, or badly discolored teeth. And one employee described the policy as really disgusting and kind of classist, which you have to admit, if you can't afford to go and get dental care to change the nature of your teeth, is the business, well, I mean, 
it, it it's very expensive to remedy that like braces alone are like five thousand dollars and it may not be the end-all be-all solution right so they're reviewing the policy what do you think ai from on high i think it's a problem because it really ignores um access to dental care access to you know fluoridated water i mean you could go down a long list of things but this is more likely to negatively impact people that are at the lower economic scales most likely minorities perhaps immigrants it's just not um while the policy may be founded in good reasons, I think it's probably hurting some of the very people that need positions in, in retail. Right. So, and I agree. Um, th this is, that's the polarity between business technology and society, right? So business is sitting there saying you're a representative, so you have to have the appearance that I mandate. Society is saying, well, I have to have a job. Uh, my teeth may be kind of funky, but I still need a gig. The technology in between, I think, is, well, you have to have either some form of nationalized dental care, health care, etc., so that everybody can get a modicum of treatment so that if you talk, well, I the scope of this goes really big because we can get into divergent uh, elements. But the if you go see a surgeon, they want to cut you open. If you go see a dentist, they say that the foundation of your health starts with your mouth. So what everybody really needs is to be able to not worry about their teeth all the time but there are going to be people that just say well it doesn't matter my teeth don't really matter you know and i can chew my food and blah 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 but the reality is that the better that or configuration your teeth are the better you're able you are able to speak the um the the better people embrace you because your smile really is one of the most you know, forward leaning things when somebody meets you um you know, largely the last two and a half years have been spent behind a mask, but now those are falling away. I think that sheets should, if they have a problem with somebody's smile, put some skin in the game, pay for their teeth to be corrected. If they have to sign a contract so that they either repay it over time or they don't repay anything and they work for X number of years, whatever it may be, because there are a lot of businesses that do that. They'll lean into somebody that they think is a benefit, an asset to their company and say, hey, you know what? We'll send you to college. Hey, you know what? We'll help you uh, learn this skill or we will help you find a better place to live or whatever it might be. We'll groom you to be senior management. There's a whole lot of solution here. But not hiring somebody, I think, is a real shame if it's nothing more than their teeth, right? Um, so I'm sure on the other side of this, Sheets is going to come out and, and remedy this because I've always gotten the impression that Sheets is a little bit more family-oriented and embracing. Um, and uh, I don't think I've ever had a bad experience in a Sheets. Uh, but this does not, optically, does not look good. Um and I think that maybe they should uh, take a bite out of this policy and, and change the, the bad taste that it's leaving in many people's mouths. Um, so it says, uh, your inquiry has prompted a more specific review to ensure our policies are aligned with Jesus' commitment to foster a culture of respect. Um, while we have a personal appearance policy that includes dental health, we provide accommodations to the policy that are granted for medical, cultural, religious re reasons. Um, and at Sheets, it is important that we honor and recognize our employees' diverse experiences, individual identities, and unique perspectives, which doesn't really answer any of the problem. Um, if they resolve it in a way that they remove that limitation and, where appropriate, facilitate 
solving what could be accepted by the employee as a problem, then I'm good. Uh, but it says here, I hate the policy. A former employee in North Carolina said, uh, this person who worked for Sheets for several years before leaving last year declined to speak on the record for fear of professional consequences. Uh, quote, it's really disgusting and kind of classist, especially when the majority of people you're employing are going to be lower income. That's exactly what the AI from on high said. Um, and uh, it says, while employers can impose uh, dress codes and appearance requirements for employees, federal and state laws prohibit policies that discriminate against specific groups. I don't think that this really, this, it would be a, a really big battle to show that it is discrimination against a protected class um, because there are no, as far as I know, um, fiscally driven protected classes. You have religious, you have cultural, you have gender, um, but money alone doesn't make you fall into a protected class. Agreed, but somebody could definitely spin this into a, a lawsuit that got some attention, but sure. agreed. So I, like I said at the beginning of this particular segment, I think what would be best would be for Sheets to lean into it and say, you know what, we find you employees um, an asset and we can make, we can drive this in a different direction. We can make it so that um, all you have to do is either work this period of time, but it kind of, it's going to sound funny when I say that, but it's going to be indentured servitude because people are going to have to work to pay off their medical bills. Um, but th there's no way around it. You either lose the policy altogether and have that little bit less control over the image that your employees are representing the company. Um, or you say, we will cover full dental and, and even, uh, facilitate lowering the cost by absorbing some of that cost, um, ourselves. There are solutions, but really how many people would it really impact? Like how many people would sheets have to, um, provide that solution to, would it really hurt their That's bottom line that much though? It would be a lot in certain areas of the country. Yeah. Um, I'd be curious to know what and the particularly are. depending on generations, right? There's an ageism issue as well, because if you grew up in a different time, there was less access. I mean, mostly in modern times, there's a little more uh, broad access to things like dental right. care, but not if you grew up in the early 1900s on a farm. Right. Yep. I get it. There's a lot more here to it. And um, like every article, if you keep pulling back the layers of the onion, you will find uh, it just ends up making you cry. Um, but here, honestly, I think that there's enough profit margin in sheets that they could facilitate where people want to get dental care. They could facilitate it, I think. Because not everybody, when you walk up to somebody and, and they look like they need dental care and you walk up to them and smack them on the back and say, I think you need dental care. They're not going to take you up on it. They're more than likely to go, who the hell are you? Um, but those that do want to take up the policy, like, Hey, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take you up on it. Sheets. I would like to have my smile made better. Um, other people are, are cool with the way that their smile is regardless of what it is. Um, See, like for me, I would have loved to uh, be able to get that kind of care, but it was never even offered to me. And for me to do it when I was younger, it would have been price prohibited. I would never have been able to get braces, et cetera, et cetera. So um, at any rate, let's go on to the final article for today. Um, actually, I need to back up one second just so I can throw this article into the uh, VOD and to, uh, it's already in, uh, hometown.showbot.tv. And the last article for today 
is about Santa. So what's going on here? Uh, the Daily News Show is where this was aggregated into. And it's results released in Girls' Request for DNA Evidence of Santa. On the first day of Christmas. I love it. Today's children are way more advanced than those in previous generations. Yeah, really. Uh, the Rhode Island Department of Health says it was not able to definitively confirm or refute the presence of Santa in a young girl's home after she requested to have a partially eaten cookie and a couple of gnawed-on carrot sticks tested for DNA. This is in the AP over at abcnews.go.com. Uh, the Rhode Island Department of Health says it wasn't able to definitively confirm or refute the presence of Santa in a young girl's home after she requested to have partially eaten cookie and a couple of gnawed on carrots tested for DNA to see if it was Santa. Were there incriminating claws marks? Uh, that's, <laughs> Grandma got run over by a reindeer. You ever hear that song? You've heard that song, right? Yeah, so that is part of my music database. <laughs> that's right. The uh, department tweeted on Monday that we all agree that something magical may be at play. You know what, though? I don't I have a hard time playing along with this because there's some young girl that knows about DNA and wants to know what's going on. Well, the department said it found no complete matches to anyone in the combined DNA index system, which why is this not being perceived as dystopian as all get out? But said that there's a partial match to a 1947 case centered around 34th Street in New York. Ah, referring to the movie Miracle on 34th Street. I'm, I feel weird that they had to spell that out in the article. And said that it would need more DNA samples from other known Santa encounters to make a definitive uh, match. This just seems like it's getting more and more dystopian. Anyway, the girl in Cumberland, uh, a Cumberland resident, had sent the cookie and carrot sticks to the town's police department to ask if they could be tested for DNA. Chief Matthew Benson said on Friday, Benson forwarded the evidence to the uh, state's Department of Health Forensic Sciences Unit for analysis. You missed the you missed the best part about the match for the reindeer. Oh yeah, I guess so. Um, let's see. The good news is that the lab did find the presence of DNA closely matching. Uh, what is it, Rangifer tarandus, right? Known as reindeer when testing the carrots. <laughs> All right. Just imagine if they would have responded with, yes, he's a known criminal charged with countless numbers of breaking and entering. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but the girl might have liked that result because it would be like, oh, Santa's real. <laughs> there is a strange dude in my house late at night eating cookies. All right. So that's it for today, folks. That has been the Hometown Daily News show for January 24th, 2023. And uh, if you want to uh, hang out and talk about all of this kind of stuff from time to time, we do it every day at nine o'clock. Come over to twitch.tv slash hometown. Would you like to say bye bye from on high AI? Good evening, hometown citizens. I did that a little better than the intro. By the way, we'll get that voice synthesizer working up there. There's something weird going on. Um, I'm a horrible programmer. Bye-bye, everybody. See you tomorrow, 9 p.m. Eastern. <laughs>